0: You can email back and forth, you can text with them, all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO, that's betterhelp.com DSO, and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. If you are listening to this podcast, well, you're probably a dude, and you're probably at a crossroads in your life specifically in regards to relationships with women. Maybe you're still married and you want to kick things up a notch or two. Perhaps you're considering divorce or perhaps you're already divorced and a little lost and wondering where life is going to take you next. Well, guys, the good news is that you do not have to do this all alone. I have assembled a group of 800 plus men from around the world and we call ourselves the DSO fraternity. We have live and recorded member meetings private online discussion groups, members-only podcasts, members-only articles, as well as access to all of my DSO books in PDF and audiobook format. The whole purpose of the DSO Fraternity is to get men that sense of connection that is so sorely lacking today. So, check out the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com and just try it out for a month. I think you'll be glad that you did. And now, on to our show. So welcome, Kim Anami, to the show.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you
0: for Yeah, so me. great having you on. The reason that we are talking is because I have a, a members group that we do a lot of chatting. It's very active, 24-7. And I get on there and say, hey guys, who should I reach out to next to talk to in the podcast world? And I think three or four guys said your name. I said, well, I don't know Kim, so I need to check it out. And so I listened to a couple of episodes and I said, yes. Absolutely. I have to talk to this lady and did some research in some of your, um, I'm not going to, I'll let you talk about it, the Kung Fu and the weightlifting. And I thought, now that's what we call unique. It's not every day that you (laughs) read that. So we'll get into that. So do you want to give a
1: a woman who lifts a chandelier with her vagina?
0: Not every day. I mean, grandma, sure. But you know, (laughs) but, but so a brief overview, who is Kim and Nami?
1: Well, I am a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter, as you've alluded to, and a surfer. And so when I started to do this work, it's an amalgamation of my own studies and pursuits in terms of optimization, right? From a young age, I was fascinated with how do we change how do we grow? How do we self-actualize and become the very best versions of ourselves? And so that led me through all kinds of different studies in terms of psychology, transpersonal psychology, philosophy, meditation, health, wellness, alternative eating and exercise habits, healing with herbs, homeopathy, all kinds of different things. And then in my own experiences, sex was always this very powerful modality for achieving different states of consciousness, for feeling like I was becoming the best version of who I am, and for ecstasy. And so that was always in my toolbox of things that I do to heal and make myself a better person. And so over the years, as my whole oeuvre of work has come together, it's been a mixing of all of these things, but always at the heart of it, this idea of holistic wellness and getting to the root cause. And so in my work, I don't give people band-aids. I'm all about getting to the root cause and that's then able to get people permanent lasting results because we're not just giving them temporary quick fixes. And my work actually runs quite deep and quite effective because of that.
0: And when you say your work, what does that involve exactly? Is that one-on-one consultation? Are you performing seminars, books? How can
1: people find out more I, about what you at do? This time, I just do online, I call them salons, which is basically I have a whole sex and relationship education school that I do online and all of that. There's five main courses, uh, vaginal kung fu, which is the vaginal weightlifting, coming together for couples, sexual mastery for men, how to be a well fucked woman and ecstatic childbirth and holistic pregnancy, because I'm all about the idea that even childbirth ought to be a woman's biggest orgasm of her life. So pleasure everywhere possible.
0: My wife just had a child about eight weeks ago. And so she, you know, we thank you. And uh, to say that was an ecstatic experience or erotic or in any way pleasureful. (laughs) <laughs> now she read um hypnobirthing i believe was the name of the book um uh, she's an md so she's very into the whole body experience holistic everything and boy she held out and tried to make it as as uh, natural as humanly possible but in the end that baby just said i'm not coming out of here so we had to do the whole cesarean and all that fun stuff but she tried she she tried her best and uh, that, that was tough but uh, but she would listen to you and say, yes, I like the idea of taking it to the next level of it doesn't have to be this horrible, horrendous, painful experience. It can be actually one that some women say was the most beautiful thing ever. And not just because you spit out a kid because the entire process was the more in touch with their body yeah. and everything. So yeah.
1: It's possible. There's just a lot of programming against it, right? Be painful and a crisis and an emergency, and you need all kinds of other people's help to do it. And that's not unlike the messaging that people get around sex, right? That there's so much trauma and negativity and taboo and shame. You remove all of that underneath it. It's a completely natural, healthy, powerful, enlightening, rejuvenating experience. The big barometric question that I ask people is, does your sex life leave you feeling, reaching reju- rejuvenated? rejuvenated, transformed, deeply ecstatic, and like it changed your life. And if not, then you're doing it wrong. And that's not a judgment as much to say that there's ways that that when you have sex, you feel energized and enlivened and like you want to go to the gym and work out, you feel inspired and creative and peaceful and happy. Or you feel drained, like you want to pass out and have a nap. And so that's my measure, is what is the experience bringing to you? And there are ways to have sex that always leave you feeling energized. And that's my goal for people, to cultivate that space.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, you you brought up a good point, and um, a lot of people have feelings of taboo. And there's a lot of obstacles between them and sexuality in general. A lot of what you're talking about, um, some people would say, is kind of a major league next level version of sexuality that some people need to get over the hump so to speak of the taboo and of the shame to realize and um, a lot of men that I work with will tell you boy I wish my wife would just get over that initial hump that you know she may have had some kind of trauma in childhood or she may have been raised in a very um, uh, religious or conservative for lack of a better term environment that shamed her in her body and her sexuality and made her feel like it's, it's yucky dirty and it's something to be kept, you know, under covers. And and that's it. And no, we don't talk about it outside of the bedroom. And once we've had children, what use is it anyway? A lot of men have, are in marriages like that and they would love to be able to say, man, I wish I could just flip that switch to get her to let her guard down. Um, any bits of advice for men? And, you know, we don't want to though, we want to err on the side of being more welcoming as opposed to forcing a woman. You sh- you need to be more sexual. You need to be more open. You're missing out on a lot that that doesn't work, especially coming from the husband. So any bits of advice in that realm?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think that in our worldwide culture, there's so much, like I said, brainwashing, conditioning, propaganda, taboo around sex that really keeps people from their true selves. And my the Anami guarantee is that every woman has a high libido. Every woman loves sex. Every woman is capable of multiple vaginal orgasms, G-spot orgasms, ejaculate that hits the ceiling, cervical orgasms, and can have 20 orgasms in a row. Every woman can shoot ping-pong from her vagina. Every man can learn how to have sex for an hour to eight hours. Every man can learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. Every man can have multiple orgasms all night long. That's a guarantee for every single being. And the reason that we don't get there is because of all of these blockages. And so a huge part of my work is first off, showing people what's possible. So you know, I gave a brief description there of what's possible for every person. And then secondly, is how do we get there? And then the first place you start is clearing blockages. It's consciously examining yourself, your past, your history, your upbringing, to see where have I taken in the beliefs or ideas that really aren't mine. You know, like a huge one for women would be Madonna whore. So we have this archetype in almost probably every major religion where there's the virgin and the slut, And there isn't a happy medium place for women to be just voracious and passionate and healthy beings. There's judgment on either side. And so it would, you know, and every woman, despite say, having gone to college and realized, okay, I'm, I'm not those things. I can break out of those things. We've all internalized that programming. Even men have internalized it in the way that they look at women. So until we consciously examine those things, we're going to be governed by them. And so A huge part of the work that I do is having people look for those things and I give them often suggestions like that example is one of them, right? This Madonna horror complex. So look at that and be like, okay, what do I believe about that? Do I believe that I'm kind of, I can be only either or, you know, what would it look like if I created my own definition of what healthy, you know, pleasured, fulfilled, sensual woman would look like? And then you talk about that and try to expunge <laughs> you negative know, ideas or just get conscious about that because so much of this is really ruled by our unconscious things that we've internalized over the years through the culture through the media through our families and even traumatic experiences right so many people men and women have had traumatic sexual experiences that imprint upon us and until we really clear them out of our neural pathways it's really difficult to layer on what you said these next level kind of sexual experiences that i'm talking about in fact people won't be able to do it until they clear that stuff out so that's a major starting place is just trying to have a conversation about hey you know I've been learning or studying or what researching and like every woman can have these kinds of orgasms every guy can do this you know and ideally say introduce them to my podcast or my videos and start watching some of that to get stuff together or listening to it and then opening up that conversation so I know that we've had this dynamic for years what do you think about this and then Again, that's why in my work I try to show people what's possible. Right, like in the, in my podcast *Orgasmic Enlightenment*, I have a se- a, a segment called *Well Fucked All Stars*, where I interview men and women who've gone through my programs. And some of them have gone from, say, what you describe. You know, like there's a woman I'm thinking of who had was in a marriage. She was quite angry and kind of resentful and snapping and nagging at her husband all the time. Had never had any kind of orgasm, never mind a vaginal epic orgasm. And she came to my courses because she felt like her marriage was really tough because of it right and so at that time she had one young child she was working full-time like under one years old I think her son was and married and she just threw herself into this work drove into it and so she took my well-fucked woman course and then she took my uh, vaginal kung-fu class and she was so devoted that she would she was so i said she was working full-time, had a young child. When her child went down for a nap, she went into the bedroom to self-pleasure and practice and do these things. When she was driving home from work, she would pull over and park the car and self-pleasure for another hour or so just to practice like anytime wow. she could, right? This is commitment. And at the end of it, she ended up winning our well fucked Hall of Fame award in the salon because of how far <laughs> she had come and was then having clitoral orgasms, G spot orgasms and eventually brought herself and with her partner to be able to have cervical orgasms. But you know, so I interviewed these people to show people what's possible, right? it's one thing for me to talk about it but to bring in somebody who has you know might be where somebody else is and then show that evolution is really inspiring for people mm-hmm. so if you can start that conversation and try to get your partner on board and then introduce them to some of my ideas right like where i'm talking about sex and this whole other way of describing it and that it shouldn't just be a duty it shouldn't just be something you put out to kind of keep your marriage going that no if if, as a woman if you're not tapped into your vital sexual life force your entire existence is operating at a deficiency right and then men also have a part to play like you know when you said that something that came to mind is that you know the biggest sexual work that men can do is working on their stamina right so the average time of intercourse for men is 75% 75% of men ejaculate within three minutes of really? course. If that is what the kind of sex that you're giving your woman, I can totally understand why she doesn't want to have sex with you because I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if a woman is left perpetually what I would call under fucked, she is not, she's going to be like, Oh, I have so much laundry to do. Oh, I have another root canal. Oh, mm-hmm. so busy. Can't do it. And she might not even know why she's, saying no. It's just that her body is like, I'm not going to be a dumping ground for your three minute pump, dump, and slump, right? And so she's going to stay away from sex. So there's two, everyone has to be doing their part, right? So yes, women may have a history and blockages and an aversion, but as a man, what are you doing to facilitate that? If you're telling me that you give her orgasms every time you have sex and you can have sex with her for you know an hour and she's screaming in ecstasy, then... Okay, you re- you really have done your job, and there's something else going on. But maybe you can't feel like you can't even get to that place. But you know, a lot of the time when I hear that refrain from men, it's because what they brought to the table or the bed sexually isn't very fulfilling for the woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I'm just curious. Do you have a typical uh, I don't know if client is the right word uh, a, a typical type of client. As far as women are concerned, you just described with your Hall of Fame gal, what I would call kind of a type A person. Like you put a goal in front of her. She's going to do the absolute best of whatever it is. You know, she's going to.
1: I'd say she's kind of like a relaxed hippie mom.
0: Really? <laughs> not,
1: not, yeah. She was just sort of like. She just
0: really took I that on.
1: Got, so please, what's that?
0: She just really took that on. That was her next mission. Yeah.
1: yes exactly she felt like her marriage was perhaps at a make or break right like she or she was just tired of the misery in their relationship and something led her to my work and she just you know had an intuitive hit like this is it this is right this is what i need to shift things in me and in my marriage and then she yeah fully committed to it so um so what was your question well that was going to be
0: actually good segue into my next question which is Um, I would assume there's some kind of timing element to this, where it's typically after so many years of marriage, partnership between two people. um, Naturally, we say with time, the passion wanes, you know, that new relationship energy starts going down, kids, bills, et cetera, et cetera, you know, gets in the way of eroticism and sexuality. Um, And you just mentioned with her that her, she recognized, "Uh oh, my marriage is kind of on the downward slope. Is that very common with your clientele that they're like, we need to turn this ship around or else it's about to sink?
1: Say so. I mean, the bulk of people probably come to me because there's some kind of issue, right? The rest, and then a number of them come because they hear me talk about these higher level things, like what G-spot or you I mean, really every woman can really have a G-spot orgasm, and they want to then up level. And then a small amount of people come because things are amazing and they just want to make them even better, right? They want to just keep growing and learning and bettering their relationship. But um, I think you know. I think part of what happens with my work in particular is that people deep down know that their sexual expression their sexual energy is natural it is healthy it is their inherent birthright and when they hear the right languaging which they often hear me in that holistic perspective and the the hope that everyone the guarantee that everyone can achieve this something in them i think it resonates it's like a, a divining rod you know of like oh okay that is the truth that i've never heard spoken but i always intuitively felt right Mm -hmm. that sex wasn't taboo it wasn't dirty it wasn't bad it was actually this really positive thing but there's really no framework for that in our culture right and so that's often a starting place or yeah people are you know searching on the internet and they hear either to repair something or just learn a technique or get better at something and then discover this whole world that their sexual life can really be that they just didn't know right because mm-hmm. many people what you said about this idea that's commonly accepted but i'm saying it's not a it's not a universal truth is that people their relationships start to wane after a certain period of time right like there's i think there's they've even tried to say that there's this hormonal plummet after 2 years where people less their interest lessens but i totally disagree with that because i would say that the, the hormonal plummet is the effect It's not the cause. Mm. So the cause would be that the couple starts to hit a hit a hit a hit a wall right like they come to a place of grow or die and most people have no idea how to actually nurture and grow their relationships and so they fumble around or at that point they've just stopped prioritizing the relationship so right in the initial part of dating getting together with someone you put them at the top of your list You're putting your best foot forward you always put them as a high priority in your life and then once you've got them and you have that commitment it's like okay so other things start to come at the top of that list now, right? That's essentially in a nutshell, that's it. It's really that yeah. simple, right? And or people start to hit upon old issues, like let's say someone does have a prior history of sexual abuse and they can kind of cover over that for a certain amount of time and then it can't be ignored anymore. There's a certain wall that they hit that they can't get past unless they actually deep dive and do that healing work, that inner examination and illumination, and then transformation to be able to grow as a person and in their relationship. So... I think that's a huge piece is, you know, all of those stories the narratives that we hear, it's like, oh, you weren't meant to have lifelong passionate sex for decades. And I assert that actually you were, you know, I have couples that I work with or couples who've just come to me and they've been together for decades, or they heal a, a relationship that they've been to get in for decades and turn it into a daily can't keep their hands off each other, you know, type of sexual experience. And to me, that is the norm. That is norm. The idea of low libido, not having regular sex, a sexless marriage has become normalized, but it's mm-hmm. not normal. It's not what ought to be happening.
0: What impact by your estimation does the dreaded menopause have? on women. I, I talked to a lot of men who were in their late forties, early fifties. And they're like, Oh man, everything was great until the hot flashes started and so forth. And, and the wife is just basically closed shop, so to speak. After that, do you see that as much of an impact on the woman? Is it a legitimate impact, legitimate obstacle, or do you see it as, Hey, just something you can move around easily?
1: Well, here's the thing. I have a really good podcast where I go deep into this called The Myths of Menopause. Mm -hmm. So there are cultures in the world where they don't even have a word for menopause because it doesn't exist, because they haven't been told that it should exist. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a time a woman's menstruation stops and that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that's, that's all that happens. But in our culture, like I often say that menopausal women are the allopathic cash cow, right? They really are like this this breeding ground for because now they need hormones for the rest of their lives. They need creams for the rest of their lives. Do you really think that nature, human mother nature, mother nature is so flawed That it says that at a certain age this you know human being is going to need to have medicine for the rest of their life just to have a semi-normal existence i don't i believe that what happens is that it's it's a few things right there's all of this messaging that women at that age are then over right So Mm -hmm. all of that is reinforced within western culture constantly you know there are other cultures like even in france they don't have a word for menopause and they have a total love and lust for older women. They are held still in, in the esteem of lusted after beings, right? Mm-hmm. That they haven't lost their appeal once they've lost their <laughs> menstrual seal. Um, So that's one thing. And then, like I said, this idea that um, it's an expectation now that once women get to this age, this is something that they'll experience. And women I know who have, and I've worked with, who have um done my work and so they are in that category of being well fucked women so they're in touch with their sexual energy and their sexual nature they breeze through menopause They don't have even a blip. They don't even have a single hot flash. So I would say that actually menopause would be a sign of somebody who has stuck sexual energy or it's a tipping point, right? It's a tipping point. The body is reconfiguring itself, right? It's changing the way hormones move. I mean, some people assert that you're missing hormones at that point. I don't think that's true. I think that they just reconfigure themselves. And so at that stage, if the woman's body is overloaded by other toxins and stressors, she can't make it through that tipping point successfully, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a part of it is physical health. There's something that's called the pregnenolone steal mm-hmm. where in the woman's body, if she isn't, if she's overstressed and her body's constantly generating stress hormones like cortisol, it will steal the building blocks from her sexual reproductive hormones to to fill up that void or that never-ending need for the stress hormones and so she will be hormonally out of balance so all this to say that in my view if a woman is really in touch with her sexual energy she has a healthy sex life she has a healthy life in general it need not be an issue so i think that it's again it's something that's worth deeper exploration Mm -hmm. and the permission not to have it the permission for it not to be a shitty time, because that's really the dominant message is this, oh no, those dreaded years, right? Like, oh no, here they come. And and so people take that on. It's the same thing like the imagery about birthing babies. It's supposed to be this traumatic, difficult crisis experience rather than the biggest orgasm of a one's life. And so what, the more that people are conditioned that way, take that on.
0: I'm putting myself in my readers slash listeners shoes right now and they're listening to this and they're saying, you know, I want to drag my wife by the hand, literally grab her over here and say, listen to this lady, please. Uh, because a lot of them, for lack of a better word, I'm sorry to say they're sex starved. These guys, some of them haven't had intimacy for years, years with their partner and they've tried everything and they read my book and the, the, the synopsis of my book is become a better man. We lose a lot of the right. typical masculine archetype of the man of you know being a strong, powerful, stoic, etc, and they do all these things you know these guys lose fifty some odd pounds he's he's getting hit on by women he's his career's better, everything is great, but the wife's just kind of eh, i I'm, I'm fine where I'm at, you know, take it or leave it and so they hear a person like you, and they say. This is a woman, you know, hearing it from a man is one thing. Hearing it from a woman is something completely different. Do you have tips for these guys to bring the wife over to your side to say this sexuality, eroticism, whatever you want to call it, it's not a bad thing. And it's something to be cultivated, something you can actually work on. And there's good reason for you, wife, to want to do that. And it's not just so your husband can get in your pants. There's more to it than that.
1: Totally, totally. I love everything you've said, that, and I love that the main thrust of your book is to be a better man. So I love, you know, I've done some work, and podcasts on that lately, on the alpha versus beta male. No like, woman wants to fuck a beta male. Right.
0: It's like, a I hot to topic these out. days, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. And so if a woman is with a beta man or he's devolved into a beta male, she doesn't want to have sex with him, right? So if he really is claiming more of that masculine and owning and inhabiting that, and a very perfect barometer, litmus test for that is if other women are hitting on him,
0: Mm -hmm. right? That's
1: a really good sign that actually you have hit that mark, right? Like you're radiating that energy that women are attracted to. So with the wife, then I would say, you know, there might be years of history of wrongdoing or stuff that hasn't been cleared right and so one of the biggest starting places for my work with couples is clearing the glass so I look at I use the metaphor of having say a clear pane of glass between the two of you right you can see through it you're on one side your partner on the other side and over the years of Um, sins of omission, of lies, of betrayals, of not keeping your word or, you know, on both sides, you get splotches of mud, get onto the glass. Mm -hmm. And after years of that not being cleared, they become bricks. It becomes to the place where you can't even see each other through that glass. So you might start doing all the right things, but your wife is on the other side of that very muddy glass. And so my recommendation would be to go in and be like, look, This is what I want to do. I want to clear. I want to revive our relationship. I want a passionate love relationship. I want you to be embodied in your sensuality. I want to be the best man for you. Right. And so this is I want to roll up our sleeves and get working on this. And that could be doing my salons that could be enlisting a counselor to help you know, be accountable in that process, help them excavate some of that deeper, older stuff. I give guidelines for how to do that in my work, but some people can also benefit from having an independent third party present Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. them to do that work. And And then to me, it's really shit or get off the pot. Like if you're doing your work and you're confident that you've reached a certain stage, I would just be out, like laying it out there really clearly to your partner. Like I know that this has been the dynamic in the past, but I am here now and I'm fully committed to changing it. So are you in or are you out? Because, and this is where they have to get clear, but my suggestion would be like, because I'm not willing to subsist in this kind of situation anymore. So either you're with me <laughs> and you're gonna do this work with me and we're gonna go forward and create the most amazing relationship ever for both of us, or I'm gone. And I know that might sound really radical, but no. you know what do you want? Do you want to keep if you've if you're really honest and I like I said I love that your starting place is be a better man because that's what I would say to people too is do your work first. Mm-hmm. Right? Do your work Give them a pass for a while until you focus on yourself, until you feel you've reached a certain point where you can be like, "Okay, look, I've got some new skills, some new ideas, some new tools. I feel different. I would like to give this a shot in a bunch of different ways with new tools right? that I now know, new ideas I now have at my disposal. And then it's really shit or get off the pot. And to be be honest, that is really alpha energy.
0: Yes, it is very much.
1: And and a woman will actually respond to that. So rather than you thinking, oh, my God, that's an ultimatum. Oh, no. What if I it's like, no, women don't like. That they can push you around and that you will take their shit. And yeah. if she hasn't been fucking you for like three years or whatever it is. You have been taking her shit. Yep. Right? Maybe it was well deserved shit to a degree. Maybe you did a bunch of things and she's walled up her heart. She doesn't trust you anymore. Like that might be legitimate. But if you're showing up and you want to do the work, it's either, okay, great, we're going to do this together or I'm gone. That is a very alpha move. And think of that in itself, if you're really committed to that, will stir her up. Right. Oh, what's what's that over there? <laughs> what's that energy over there?
0: Or it like, or it, it may very or it may very well uncover the fact that she says, "I don't care what it is you do, I'm so far gone." Or I may have started a relationship with somebody else. You never. We hear that all the time. Um, I, I often. What you describe, by the way, is what I call the healthy version of the talk. The unhealthy version of the talk is, "How come we don't have sex? We should have sex more often." I love you. Don't you love me? You should want to have sex more. Why not go? You know, crying and emoting and just very needy behavior. It's as you as you can attest to. It's one of the most turn off things a man can do in a relationship. Is I need you, I need you, I need you. Why aren't you giving me what I need? Need need. And what you described is I don't necessarily need you. I love you to death. That's why I'm your husband. And I've kind of had an awakening and I'm starting over. You see, I've lost weight. You see, I'm everything has improved in me come along for the ride. Let's go. Let's do this. This is fun. Let's have fun. Let's And yeah. Yeah, that energy alone is enough to wake up some women to go, I, I'm, I'm married to a good man here. And sometimes it takes the girlfriend to say, sweetheart, you're married to a good man here. You need to wake up. He's not asking you to do something horrible. He's saying to come along for the ride and, and strengthen your relationship together. So Bravo to you, you just nailed it. You just said almost word for word, what I say is the healthy version of the talk. Should or get off the pot? Are you gonna jump on this train or not? Huge, hugely important. Um, So, healthy version of the talk, and there's a lot of tools at our disposal so we can grow closer together as a couple. And it doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow we have to jump in bed and, and do everything that we saw in the porn and all that stuff, which by the way, I wanna talk to you about. Um, pornography. Um, this is a gradual, slow process that we grow together as a couple and eventually we'll see where it leads us. Everyone's a little different. Some people are hanging from chandeliers. Some people are, uh, hey, we, now we're doing it two times a week before it was two times a year and whatever it may be. There's there's no litmus test. There's no pass or fail here, is there?
1: Well, I'd say two times a year is not not what we're No, thinking. no, no, no. But... No, but like, I think that something to add to that is that if there's been years of unresolved issues, is that even if you come to her with that offer, and it's a solid offer, and she's intrigued, I wouldn't necessarily say that sex is going to be on the table straight away. Because that wall I just described, if that is a brick wall, you are going to have to get busy, you know, chiseling drilling scraping that stuff cleaning that wall and that might take a while and that's the time when i tell couples look if you are in the middle of that process and you are still feeling repelled then don't force yourself to have sex right i'm all about regular sex daily sex you know three to four times a week as a norm for couples like in an, in when they're in a good that's the normal amount of sex but not if you're in the middle of that excavation process then I want people to have space and time. As long as they're committed, it's not an excuse. It's like you're doing that work, but you might not feel warmed up to them yet, right? If you're really engaged in that process, we will just back it off, take the pressure off, give the other person some space if they're legitimately showing up and then if you build it they will come if you guys are doing that work together and you're really unpeeling those layers you will naturally both of you will hit a place you know the woman as well of like ooh, i actually want to touch you i want me But, and that's your barometer, right? Is that when you get to that place, you know that you've done the the right amount of work. And it, it varies for everybody. If you really have not had sex in three years, and that wall is thick. You know, it doesn't mean two conversations are going to clear that last. It's going to take a yeah. while. It could be weeks. It could even be months. Oh
0: yeah, but absolutely. If
1: you sincerely, feel like your partner is participating in that process, then that's positive, and you will get there. But
0: you know? taking the pressure off is huge. And part of the healthy talk that I tell guys is to write, it, just put it bluntly and say, and before you even ask, wife, no, this isn't just about sex. I'm not saying if you laid down right now wife and said, okay, go ahead, hurry up. I'm going to say, no, that's not what it's about. I-, I want a connection. It's not just pity sex, as we call it, or duty sex. That's awful. It's terrible. I don't want that. No man wants that. You know, lies there like a mannequin and just says, oh yes, please, you animal. No, we want actual legitimate, intimate connection, validation. Guys are huge on validation, as you know. Um, all it takes is for a man who's in a sexless marriage to hear from some gal at the office, you look really cute in that shirt today. And oh, he's off to the races. That's all it takes. Um, and you hit on the point about all those boundaries that you've built up over the years, the balls, those resentments, all that baggage between the two of you. Oh my gosh, that's everything. And uh, you know, I'll tell guys, if you're just interested in sex, divorce the wife, go get a new girlfriend. It'll happen really fast and it'll be amazing. But that's not what you're after. You, you love your wife. That's why you're with her. But the fact is it's not so easy because you got a lot of shit between the two of you for years and years. Stuff that's not your fault, stuff that's not her fault, just regular baggage and stressors between the two of you and you've never dealt with them. It's amazing how many people li- leave a lot of stuff swept under the rug. They don't talk about it. They don't deal with it. They don't air it out. They just let it fester and it just grows and grows and builds those walls you talked about.
1: Well, most people do because we live in a culture where we have a value of the white lie, right? We think it's better to tell white lies and operate with sins of omission than it is to have radical, honest, open communication. The foundation of the work that I do is getting people to hold that then collectively as a couple in their relationship as their value, right? That we are more committed to the truth and radical honesty than oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings if I say that, right? You can say anything if you say it in the right tone. That's right. right. Like, That's right. If you say something in a loving, compassionate way, you can deliver any information. If you say it in an uncaring, detached, or even you know mean way, you can totally hurt somebody. So everything is fair game. But if you're operating under that place, so most people aren't, though. They've you know defaulted to don't ask, don't tell, Um, sins of omission uh you know keep a bit of a keep a separate life going and instead of your partner is your power source they are your um you know the place you come to for nourishment and rejuvenation you start to live these parallel lives of rejuvenating yourselves and an analogy that i often give to describe that is imagine that you have a road trip right and so you have about three hours to drive and you're like okay got this amazing destination to go to but I think we should take separate cars right so you know we'll be it's like a two-lane highway so we can drive next to each other we can wave at each other you know we can stop and have lunch together on the way and then I'll see you there right that is how most people's relationship functions or you have a relationship where you're driving in the same car together you're you know one person's looking at the music and picking amazing music for you both the other person's navigating somebody might get a blowjob along the way you know and then you get you get to your destination and it's been fun totally enjoyed it and you've supported each other right you you've exchanged your energy with each other to get there in a way that also gave each other more energy than, than, than where you started with. But most people are doing the former, right? they are kind of themselves up for whatever reason. And then, you know, to top that off, <clears throat> excuse me, when people have children, common idea that people buy into, children are the best excuse, the best excuse. And the the thing that we've bought bought into culturally is that, okay, oh, you've had children, no wonder you're not feeling sexual. No, what actually happens is that children are just the exacerbation of the distance that was already there. If a a couple was close and passionate and connected when they have children, they're still having sex after having children. They can't wait to have sex after they've had children. If a couple is in, in distance, they're in that parallel life kind of scenario, then when they have children, that just is an excuse for things to widen that wedge to get bigger between them you know further and further and further apart and it's completely culturally accepted right oh you guys haven't had sex in two years oh i get it you know you've got children there it's like no it doesn't matter if people are into each other they will find ways no matter what right they will have sex dates they will have you know rendezvous at two in the morning they will whatever it takes them to keep that energy going they will
0: how much of the um the onus or the responsibility of the, of the sexuality eroticism within the relationship is put on the shoulders of the man. How much does he have to lead and, and oh, break down those walls and and give the woman a sense of safety and comfort and so forth to allow her sexuality to be expressed in the way that is healthy. How much is, is on him for that?
1: Well, look I think that from an archetypal perspective the male that is the male role is the inner holder right the you know he holds the space he is the defender and the protector and it is his ever present responsibility to reinforce the mantra if you fall I will catch you So if somebody comes at you out on the street, I've got this, I am your protector. In bed, if you totally open up and have these crazy, tear-filled, hysterical, ecstatic orgasms where you're just shattered i'm going to hold that space for you i'm going to be there for you right which gets back to my original point of stamina if a man ejaculates within three minutes this woman is never ever going to get to those really deep cataclysmic orgasmic places and so she's going to not trust him anymore and she ends up resenting him she ends up belittling him humiliating him nagging and nitpicking at him and she probably doesn't even know because of that is that every time she starts to get close to a place of opening up boom the rug gets pulled out from under her right and they both don't really know that that's the source of that but apart from that specific thing it's reinforcing that notion like I said if you fall I will catch you so that definitely is his responsibility as the archetypal masculine energy Her responsibility to me is cultivating what I call a perpetual simmer, a perpetual openness, a perpetual availability, which means that she has worked through her own blockages, her own taboos her own issues to the place where she's always open so basically anytime he makes that invitation or initiate sex she's like sure like bring it on and that they've worked on their relationship that they're so connected that they both feel that right it could be in the car it could be at the park it could be late at night and she's just open to him right because that wall is clean right? wall is filled with debris, she's not going to be open. But if you guys have done that work to clear it, she will be open. So her work is to cultivate surrender, right? To really, erotic, powerful gift a woman can give a man is her utter and complete trust and surrender in life and in bed right and then for a man it's to provide that strength and solidity of you know i am here i am solid i am strong and she feels that you know this the cliche of women testing men we do test men we want to see how strong you are if we do this and you fall over it's like he can't catch me there's no way he can catch me i'm gonna to have to catch myself you know whereas if we feel like we do this and he's solid it's like okay now we've got something here because if I fall, I know
0: that you can catch me. Mm-hmm. Very good. You said it perfectly. Esther Perel, I know you're probably familiar with, author. And uh, she's a psych- psychiatrist, psychologist. She wrote a lot of books. And um, Mating in Captivity was one of them. And she said one of the biggest fears of women in a relationship is that deep down inside, her man is actually a, a weak little boy as opposed to a big, strong man that she wants him to be. And she will put forth those tests and those scenarios to see, let's see what he's made of. And I've heard somebody say, we call them uh, shit tests in our world. A woman giving you shit. So, and I've heard someone say she gives you shit to make sure that you are the shit. And so I like that. That's perfectly, very succinct, and it's true. And if you're you're, if you're tuned those things, you, you can see and hear them coming. And it's kind of funny, like, oh, here we go. Uh, no, dear, we're not yeah. doing that. No, I'm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most of those little incidents, whether it's like nagging or, you know, minor things underneath that is that question, if I push you, what are you going to do? And that comes back to that you know, semi ultimatum of like, I'm on this train, are you coming or not? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is the ultimate in masculinity, ultimate, ultimate in strength. We, you know, totally. we we're, we're, we're picking on women a lot here, but you have something coming up that is for the other side, for the men and helping them become better lovers. Do you want to talk more about that?
1: Yeah, so my Sexual Mastery for Men Salon is my dedicated eight-week online program for men, and that's all about occupying your masculine strength and power and energy, how to embody that more and more, and then how to improve your sexual skills, such as stamina, to be able to be a multi-orgasmic eight hours a night, learn how to orgasm without ejaculation. We even do cock lengthening and strengthening exercises, testicular massage, so actually getting into the machine and strengthening it and um and then also seduction and support for your woman so how to then take that energy in terms of interacting with your woman what are the key things that she's looking for and how can you bring those things out of her and give them to her in a really powerful way
0: very cool is this kind of an online course type of thing a live seminar how does this work
1: It is an eight-week program, so people log into a member's area, a private section of my website, and then every week you get video, course information, instructions, and then you have home play to do, and then we follow up with a live weekly Q&A call each week where I'm available to answer any people's questions. If people can't actually make the live call, you can email in questions, we record and then transcribe all of the Q and A calls, and so that's available. So there's all like there's an hour worth of videos each week, and then we have all the resources that I give you, and then there's home play that you can do as a single male or a male in a relationship.
0: Very interesting. How cool! And when is this going to be released?
1: In the next two weeks. Well, it opens up tomorrow, so I believe nine of September, I think so, and then it will. Um, it's open for two weeks, and then it begins. Like two weeks after that, essentially.
0: So the opens for two weeks is the enrollment to get in? The
1: open cart, yes. Like the registration is open for a two-week period and then the course begins in two weeks.
0: So you're only taking a certain number of people, so it's jump on now or or else you miss your, your spot?
1: It's not that, it, that we take as many people, but we it's a limited offering, meaning I only offer this class once a year.
0: So oh, I see. Okay. The
1: doors are shut. It comes back in a year from.
0: Very cool. Oh, I like it. So how can somebody find out more about it or sign up?
1: Well, kimonami.com. if you look under Sexual Savant Salons, all of my online salons are listed and Sexual Mastery for Men is there. And... Yeah, so all the information is on a registration page, more detailed info about the course. And then for others who are interested, there is my Orgasmic Enlightenment podcast, where I put episodes out weekly, and my YouTube channel has videos. There's a whole Sexual mastery for Men playlist there as well, so I'd highly recommend all of and any of the above.
0: Very cool. I love it. This is great. Kim, it's been wonderful. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I, I, I love the uh, just the the overall tone the openness of sexuality and it's fun and it's, it's an adventure isn't it it's wow new things to discover this is so cool you know we only have so many years on this planet and let's make the best out of it and th- one of the most natural and rewarding things between two individuals is sex why not make it a awesome fruitful thing
1: Definitely. And I think that attitude when you're having the healthy talk, as you say, is, is the attitude to have is like, I'm so excited. I didn't know this was possible. I would really like to go on this journey with you. How amazing is this? Right?
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. Amen. Well, thank you, Kim. I appreciate it.
1: Lovely to meet you.
0: All right. We'll see you around. Thanks a bunch. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information. Like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood. But none of them seem to be on the same page as you, am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on -on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.